Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Denny McCollum, CIO at Citizens Memorial Healthcare. In this segment, McCollum talks about the challenge of incorporating patient-entered data in a way that fits into the provider's workflow, what she believes has been the key to remaining independent, and how having a small budget has actually helped her organization to become more innovative. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. One of the things our CEO is extremely um, visionary is having a good partnership with the physician. So really people in the community don't know whether they're employed or independent. We all work together so well and have over the years that people can't tell the difference. But that's, yeah, that's definitely what you want. Okay. With such a reach out into the community, what are you looking at with population health? Is that something that, that you're doing right now or, or just looking at for the next couple of years? Well, so we are not large enough to be uh, an ACO by ourselves. We've looked at a couple of models where we would join with others to be with an ACO and, and really haven't had any good reason to do that. What we have done is establish um, medical home program. We've got all of our rural health clinics, which is, I think, 13 clinics uh, certified as medical home. And we've started working with the populations, um, you know, the chronic care populations, the diabetic mm-hmm. populations, uh, congestive heart failure, heart disease, um, all kinds of cardiovascular disease. Uh, we have some software that does extraction from our Meditech system to do uh, quality measures and care management. It's called DRIVES, D-R-V-S. And so it's been very helpful for us in kind of creating a registry of those various patients. We have health maintenance already built into our um, EMR as well. So it's right in front of the provider if the patient needs their, you know, preventative or their diabetic care. Um, And then that same group at the medical home they do follow up with every acute discharge from the hospital, regardless of whether they fall into any special population, to see if they have, you know, post-discharge needs. So that's a really nice service that they do, make sure they get to their next level of care, whether it's primary care or wherever that is. And um, then they do another thing I think that's nice for population health is when a patient, no matter what, gets a new diagnosis, if it's something significant, we have a behavioral health specialist that can be kind of right at the elbow of the provider and meet with that patient and start to take care of any other needs. You know, if you get a new diagnosis of diabetes, it can sometimes be overwhelming. And so that behavioral health specialist can help people work through that and help them kind of get on the right track of, you know, what services do you need that we have that we can help you get through this um, together. Do you belong in one of our panels and how can we help? So, so we're doing some things. Um, when we'll have things like ACO and bundled payments, uh, we'll see. We haven't been faced with that yet. Yeah. That's really interesting about the medical home program because I think it, it, it's a term that we heard more a couple of years ago and now seems to be coming back because it, it makes more sense for, for a lot of organizations and is know, really speaks to what, what the goal of so much of this is, is having that, you know, uh, portable or, or medical home, like, in the cloud. Right. And somebody that's looking after, you know, populations of, of patients that have special needs, especially. I mean, mostly it is focused on those with chronic care needs. 
Medicare, Medicaid, and even other insurance companies are paying us to do it, to manage those patients for them. Right. Okay. And, and looking at, at the patients, you do have a, a portal in place, right, uh, on the uh, hospital side and uh, ambulatory side? We do. Actually, we put a portal in place. Um, it was mostly ambulatory in 2009, way before it was a requirement. And okay. so we were positioned really well. And we upgraded it to uh, add the hospital components, so the discharge summary and the emergency department, you know, discharge record and a few more we already had secure messaging, so we had that even uh, prior, and it's, it's very nice. It's well integrated with the EMR, so it's just another task on the provider's task list when they get a secure message. So we did that um, really way back, I guess, 2000, I think it was 2009 when we did our first. And so first, everybody that signed up, of course, uh, yeah. you know, was interested and used it. We have found with meaningful use that we sort of goad people into signing up because we need them to sign up for our numbers. And so not as many of them are active users now, whereas almost everyone was an active user in 2009. Now about a third of the people that sign up actually use it, which is probably about right anyway. So, yeah. um, and we also are hooked up with um, Microsoft Health Vault. It's uh, you know, like an untethered, what we call an untethered personal health record. So we, if a patient signs up for Microsoft Health Vault and they can hook up like their Fitbit and their blood pressure machine and their glucometer and all kinds of other little apps. And then they can also request that we send their records. So if they have a new lab result or a new problem or a new allergy or new medication, it will flow over to Microsoft Health Vault and populate their personal health record as well. And we don't have as many people using that, but we have a few hundred that are pretty active users of that service as well. Okay. And then in terms of... Um the patient entered data wearables, do you anticipate being able to do something with that? We do. We have, The vendors are really starting to talk about it now. We had, over the years, there's been two or three different sort of vendors that would do where they could enter their pre-visit information. Uh, but now I'm on, I think it's an advisory group for a focus group with Meditech to talk about how uh, patient entered data, like blood pressures and that sort of thing, should maybe patient entered or maybe uh, captured by some device should be utilized in the system. We actually already do it for our home care patients. We have what's called well at home. So home care patients that meet certain criteria get sent home with a scale, blood pressure, pulse ox, and that data comes in, alerts a nurse. Um, you know, there's rules associated to it. It actually are, also populates the EMR. So when that patient goes in to see their doctor, they're or they need to call their doctor, their doctor can actually see what's going on with them, which is very cool. And we hope that the, it will replicate that. That's what we've been um, advising with Meditech is, you know, kind of replicate that system where it's just part of the workflow um, for, the, for the provider when it gets to that side. Yeah, and it's interesting to see where that can go when, because some of the discussion isn't around, is, is around not just, just chronic care, but more the general population using Fitbits. And I think that there's, it seems like there still needs to be uh, quite a bit ironed out before getting to that point. Yeah. Well, and I think it can be overwhelming for the provider yeah. when the patient comes in with all of this data. And, yeah. you know, here's my, here's my sleep pattern. Here's how many steps I had. Here's my weight. Here's my blood yeah. pressure, you know. <laughs> and that one thing I hope we can do 
utilizing the portal is to kind of normalize all that data so that the provider can actually use it, you know, as they're caring for the patient in an efficient way and not have, you know, five different places they have to go. Because it's already that way with glucometers, all the glucometers that will upload, you know, but each brand uploads to its own different little system. We have a ton of those around the organization. You know, we need that data to kind of flow into a more normalized, you know, so that the provider can go, oh, there's the glucose instead of right. five logins. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of makes your head spin thinking about it. I'm not, I'm not even a provider. <laughs> so now in terms of um, being an independent system, um, that, that's something that, you know, unfortunately is, is becoming more rare. And just wanted to get, get your thoughts on, um, you know, how the organization is really is working to, to, to remain independent. And, and I'm sure that it helps having that stability and leadership like you talked about, but just some of your thoughts around that. Well, certainly the stability and leadership, and not just at the CEO, but our boards are both. We have a foundation and hospital organizations, and both of those boards have also been very stable over the years. And I think that just staying on that vision, and for us, as you know, because we sort of um, expanded out, and you know, we have so we're sort of diversified by having all these lines of service that served us well over the years. You know, if they cut one area. You know, usually we have some other areas where we can make up for that. We've done some things that don't even seem to make financial sense, like health transit services, um, but just to, so that we are helping patients stay connected to us, even if it doesn't make very much money. It, yeah. People who can't get a ride to or from the hospital, I'm shocked how often it's used just to go from the hospital to a, one of our own rehab units in our own long-term care facilities, how hard that is for a family to do in a car after a knee surgery, you know. So um, I think one of the things that we've done is just the continued growth. We have reached out to some other smaller healthcare systems, um, so I kind of know what they're going through. A hospital right up the road from us at Osceola, Missouri, closed a couple of years ago. They were a non-critical access hospital and just couldn't make it. They got some meaningful use money, but it wasn't enough to keep them sustained. And they closed down, and we agreed with them to go into their community and provide services. So we provide ambulance, rehab, a retail pharmacy, and a rural health clinic that's a walk-in clinic for them. And so kind of a sad story for the community to lose that, but we're trying to kind of fill behind with that gap. And then another scenario on down the road at Appleton City is a 12-bed critical access hospital, a very adorable, um, nice facility, and we are providing the EMR for them. Um, they wanted to be able to meet meaningful use and get that um, reimbursement and also you know, sort of modernize their systems. And so we help them. We host it. Um, and now we've moved into a management agreement with that hospital and rural health clinic. So... Um, we kind of see it happening around us. I think the really small facilities, I mean, it's just my guess is that they'll all end up partnering up with a larger hospital system eventually. Yeah. Just be tough for them to do something like meaningful use on their own. Um, when we first um, started working with Appleton City, Ellett Memorial Hospital is the name of the hospital, the same guy that did their IT systems also was security, maintenance, and materials management. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of hats. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that, that so. kind of model is just really, really hard to, to sustain. Yes. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts, too, on, on um, innovation and, and, and not talking about, you know, not necessarily the, the, the new, new tools and gadgets, but, 
but really um, how how your team is able to kind of um, stretch dollars or stretch resources or just kind of come up with with different maybe different approaches to uh, to a problem and uh, kind of how you're approaching that to, as another way to kind of really you know stay uh, stay fit. Yeah, so I think it's, it's sort of a cultural thing, and it's not like a, I have been to Kaiser Permanente has a beautiful innovation center, you know, that costs millions and millions of dollars where they can test out new things. We obviously don't have that kind of resources, and it's almost the opposite. It's because we've had to stretch our dollars that we've been able to innovate and make things work that maybe others you know, wouldn't think to make work. Even some functionality of our own EMR system, people are like, wow, you, you made that work. And we're like, well, yeah, that's all we had. You know, we, if we wanted to be able to do that, if we like bedside medication verification in our long-term care facilities, it's very new. Um, Meditech's functionality was there to do the barcoding, and it's very important because there's so many meds administered in a long-term care facility. You can imagine 100 residents, what they have three times a day. Oh, yeah. But to be able to hook up to the retail pharmacies that provide us with the medications for those residents, we had 13 different retail pharmacies that serve our six long-term care facilities. So we had to find a way without overburdening those retail pharmacies to hook up with them, help them provide a barcode back to us that we could use to match that medication to that resident. And so, you know, without really, um, really a few hundred dollars other than the hardware that we had to have, we were able to set up a system where we send out a, the prescription goes out via a special smart route that identifies the resident's pharmacy. Um, the pharmacy has a little system that we set up for them to put a barcode on the medication. And when it comes back in, then we're able to match a picture of the resident with their medication before we administer it. And there's no telling how many thousands, maybe more, tens of thousands of medication errors that's prevented over the last 10 years. So. Yeah. Partly I think that's just, like I said, not born out of having a lot to play with to be right. innovative, but not having a lot to play with and still wanting to do the best we can for our patients and residents. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.